Hello, and welcome to the Better Relationship Podcast. I'm your host, Dolphin Casper, and I'll be exploring interesting, exciting conversations with people who have stories, solutions, and expertise to help you in your journey towards richer and more meaningful relationships in your life. So, I mean, the, we, we talked a little bit before we got on the air here about where we might go, and, and Philippe and I have a, a history of, of getting into some pretty interesting conversations. So we're giving ourselves freedom to, to kind of go where we go. Uh, but where I wanted to start was uh, one of the things that Philippe is is known for and that I know he loves to get into is uh, making distinctions around different kinds of intelligence that that the human being has. So, uh, Philippe, maybe we could start with you framing these different kinds of intelligence. And I would love to talk about um, why it's important that we even have an awareness of them and and for sure why it's important that we develop these different different intelligences. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I think there's a. Uh, I I, I want to reframe it a little bit. So it's. I think it's a, for some people to hear it's a form of intelligence is is a little bit tricky because uh, some people see intelligence as something that's innate versus literacy, which is something that you learn uh, or you can develop over time. Now, you know, people will look at it any which way they want, but uh, the the way I look at it is these seven kinds of intelligences I'm going to speak of. Uh, I speak of them because, for me, they make sense. They they all seem to represent uh, a different area of learning, or uh, sorry, a different a, a different channel of perception, uh, and it's different enough that it doesn't seem to overlap too much. Although there's sometimes overlap, or there's sometimes they there's sometimes there are groupings of how we perceive reality. We perceive reality through this channel, and this channel, and this channel. Channel. So I'll speak of seven. That makes sense to me. And they're part of the reason I developed this many, many years ago is because there seem to be, there definitely seem to be many different ways of perceiving reality. And of course, there's uh, different models that explore the different forms of intelligence that, uh, and, and these are other models where I'm going to speak about mine because they make sense to me and they help me understand how I learn. So if I go to a class or if I go to a workshop or I go to a festival, I might say, okay, this fo- this workshop is focused on this kind and this kind and this kind of literacy. It's supporting people in developing themselves and their perception of reality through these different channels, but not necessarily all of them. So I'm going to cover them, explain them a little bit, then we can go into you know, the next step. So everybody knows about intellectual intelligence, which is to me, uh, the 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 idea of of uh, playing with concepts and ideas, uh, and, and pattern and pattern doing pattern matching. So we're you know look at reality and you see well what kind of how what kind of pattern does this match? How does this make sense? Sense making often in, involves being intellectually it's an intellectually involved uh, uh, sort of task, and it most people think of it as using their brain, although. I would argue that we're using your brain pretty much anything that we do. However, the idea is using concepts that which do, which are not very emotional typically. That tends to be the domain of into what I call intellectual intelligence, which is what most people think of what they think of intelligence, quote unquote. Um, beyond that, there's what some people call emotional intelligence. So to me, it's the domain of emotions and feelings and understanding what these emotions are and also understanding what the emotions of other people are in terms of what the underlying needs are. So it's not just about the emotion, like I feel this way or I feel that way. It's also what is the need that that is underneath that. 
And you can see that a lot. I mean, you're a new parent and, you know, every parent kind of develops that ability to some degree. They see their their son or their daughter or their, their child upset and they try to understand just by looking at what's going on, like, what are they upset about? And what is it that they need in order to kind of resolve that that feeling? Because oh, very often the, the feelings that we have, they kind of they kind of tell us something about what's going on for us or for other people. And if we can connect at that level, then we can more easily relate to each other or relate to that thing. So, for example, if you're if you're you know if you're interacting with somebody and you feel upset or you feel angry or even if you feel happy. It means something. There's something going on inside of you that's in response to what's happening out there. And that helps you not just understand what's happening out there. It also under- helps you understand your relationship to it at an emotional level. How does it make you feel? How do you make somebody else feel? And to understand that really helps us more deeply connect with each other. So that's emotional intelligence. Beyond that, I have what I call somatic intelligence. So from the skin out, we have all these different ways of perceiving reality. So we have all all of our five senses, essentially, and each of these senses give us, they're basically reality coming at us in, in one way or another, whether it's the light hitting your eyes or hitting your skin or the sounds hitting your eardrums, or even like you could even feel the sound on your skin, or there's some there's touch or there's uh, there's sensations that happen inside your nose when you're smelling things. So they, they're all perceptive. Uh, there's all ways of perceiving reality to understand or apprehend it, to understand what's going on. And we already know that they only perceive a tiny little fraction of reality, but we got we have it. So ideally, we make something useful of it, such as not crash into another car when we're driving or. Or, or making love or or engaging with the with somebody that's right in front of us. And of course, when we lose some of these senses, we develop some others more uh, in, a, in a greater way, which then allows us to actually apprehend reality in a, in a much more much finer ways in those ways. So blind people, uh, they, because they can't see, they're not using their brain for that. but now we know that there's a way they actually see through sound. They can the way they 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 develop some verse some humans develop some version of an echolocation and they've done MRIs. It's super interesting how just by clicking or just by making sounds around them, they can actually hear the sound bouncing back and forth, and it creates kind of a grid inside their head as if they were seeing. So super interesting. So that's somatic intelligence, the the ability to understand to perceive reality not through not through concepts not through emotions, but through our senses. And it all happens with our body from the skin out. Now, if you look at this, at perceiving reality from the skin in, it's really about how's your body doing? It's like a system check. I call that physical intelligence and the ability to take good care of your body through that kind of system check and to know what to do, how to sleep well, how to eat well, how to exercise well, how to move your body such that it doesn't get all stuck. That's physical intelligence. And not everybody knows how to do that. And babies, when they're born, they don't know how to fall asleep. You know that. They have to learn how to fall asleep. They don't, that doesn't come naturally. And so it's a form of, so most of physical intelligence is a form of literacy that helps us engage 
internally with our own body. And some people call that a, a, a kind of sixth sense, not 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 like in the movies, but the side, a kind of sixth sense of, okay, my body needs something, I need to take care of it. Um, and it could also be understanding what foods are good for you and not so good for you. It could also be uh, what kind of environments are better for you or not so good for you. So physical intelligence is really important to have, and it's different than somatic intelligence, which is much more about perceiving reality outside of you. <coughs> All right. We've got three, four so far? Three, four. All right. Now we have primal intelligence. Primal intelligence is your inner animal. How is your inner animal engaged with the environment? And because we're humans and we've developed this whole new layer of brain, <coughs> um, we're actually losing some of that primal intelligence because we're, we're actually able to develop to develop the ability to just kind of make do with whatever happens around us. And uh, we're, we're able to adapt to just about anything, but we're losing that deeper, that deeper connection to, to nature and to reality. So it could be said that primal intelligence is, is a marker of your deeper connection to reality and nature as an animal. Not just as a, a, a skin, uh, like a what do they call it, the meat suit. Not just as an intelligence that's driving the body, but as something that is an inherent part of nature. And we lose track of that. I'd like yeah. to get back. Like I'm just doing a little bit of an earmark mm -hmm. for us to come yeah. back to primal intelligence because there's, for um, sure. as I'm sure you know, the the the, yeah. the lack of of awareness of, honoring of, inclusion of primal intelligence has us yeah. so lost in modern culture. And, and, Absolutely. And, and you know, in a way, when the primal intelligence comes through, uh, it can freak us out. Like we, we don't know how to be with that, that intelligence that's there and usually we <clears throat> shut it down in a way that yep. ultimately stifles our, our ability to be fully expressed, our ability to yep. honor our needs, like all those pieces. So I'd like to come back Absolutely. to that, please continue. I I mean, it's it's we've developed a layer of brain, and it's not everybody understands this. Is that our lower layers of the brain have developed the newer layers in order to more to be more sophisticated in how the lower layers get their needs met. Unfortunately, it's so good. The new layer of the brain is so good that it's able to to shut down, not to shut down, but to kind of ignore the lower layers of the brain, and that can be problematic, obviously because it means that you could survive on crap food or you could watch TV for on binges for hours, which incidentally creates flow states, which the lower layer, layers of brains absolutely love. So it's, it, it's, it's tricky a little bit. The lower layers of the brain created that new layer, primarily involved that new layer in order to make us more adaptable. But in so doing, we are actually able to adapt ourselves out of connection from nature. So, so we're both more deeply connected to nature because we're actually trying to serve the lower, the lower layers of the brain, but at the same time, we're able to disconnect it much more from it. So we can go back to that. Um, very interesting stuff. Um, okay, two more. Social intelligence. So if, if all the, uh, so, so that kind of intelligence is about perceiving, um, perceiving things as relationships. Perceiving not just me versus you and I am me and I am you, but how are we doing together? How are we related? Not just how do I feel about you, but what's 
what's the relationship between us? And to to be smart about it. It could be said that people who are charismatic are actually really good at that. Or people who who relate well with other people are good at that. They're kind of like they're 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 relationship dancers. They're able to engage in a way that is graceful, the same way that somebody who has who is somatically intelligent can dance well with somebody with their body and somebody else's body. So relationships is the sort of the currency of social intelligence. The same way that emotions is the currency, is the thing that is shared and exchanged and, and is part of the field of engagement. The same way that concepts and ideas is the currency of, um, of intellectual intelligence. And the, the same way that, uh, that, the, uh, that the senses and the, uh, uh, the, the, the sensorial input is the currency of somatic intelligence. All right. So last one, Pri uh, spiritual intelligence. So I remember growing this from five to six to seven, because at some point I was like, oh, this class, there's this class. What is it teaching? Oh, it's not covered by the, by the five or eventually the six, you know, it, it, I, I was missing, I was missing physical intelligence. And then eventually I realized there's another area of knowledge or perception that isn't about perceiving reality. It's about perceiving the unknown or the unseen, which, you know, some, some people might call the interior or the, uh, and it's not conceptual as much as it is the mystery or the unknown. How, what's our relationship to the mystery? What's our relationship to not knowing? Uh, instead, instead of trying to put something there to actually allow for the not knowing. So maybe intellectual intelligence is about putting something there or imagining something there that's not there, which is great. But what if, what about the relationship to the not knowing and being okay with that? And how good is that relationship such that we can be at peace even when we don't know? So uh, that's what I call spiritual intelligence. It's, it's a bit of a grab bag, but between all of those, I found that I can pretty much look at any class or any domain of knowledge and say, okay, this is more focused on, you know, this is more focused on primal, spiritual, and somatic, or emotional and spiritual, or, or just spiritual purely. So, for example, ISTA tends to be more focused on spiritual, primal, emotional, and spiritual. And, and it's not very intellectual at all, or even social. Yeah. And then, you know, as you, as you explain those, uh, it's interesting to me to, to think about, you know, what you're really creating with, with that framework is, is a, a template through which to understand, like to, to make sense yes. of. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I know that you, you know, this as well It's like the template is, is great to a point. And then at some point you have to lay the template down. So, uh, so attachment theory is another beautiful example. So many people come to attachment theory and and light bulbs go off and and dots connect and they're like, oh, that's why I'm like that or that's <laughs> why my relationships are doing what they're doing. And there's <laughs> a, a kind of catharsis of of I'm understood in some way that I think is really nourishing for us <laughs> as human beings. There's validation. There's a sense of of. Uh, like security that oh now with this understanding I have more agency that can happen and ultimately much more is going on than the template can can describe or 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 make sense of like just like the the map and the terrain analogy that I know mm -hmm. you you like as well 
Um, That's right. For for us to use these templates, these these frameworks to make sense of, but then to also know that there is a there is a whole of life moving in the present moment that that doesn't subscribe to these templates. These templates are uh-huh. overlays that we can use to simplify something that's incredibly complex that that can't be just intellectually or just emotionally or just somatically understood. But but I think an example that we can use that that hopefully for people listening can can help them make sense of is if you've ever had a flow state experience, you're in a wholeness of movement and it includes all of these domains that you've talked about. That's so it. so when we're in flow state, it to me it's like somehow there is an experiential recognition of the the wholeness of these domains moving as one. And yeah. then from different perspectives, there may be relevance or value or or interest in creating distinctions and then and, and, right. and creating discernment from those distinctions. So I like to just include that, that that these are great and they help us make sense. But if if you're trying to do something like interact in the midst of a conflict or make love or play a sport and you're in your head about these seven domains, you're not really there in the moment, no. right? So no. anyway, I just wanted to kind of reflect that piece back. You know, I think that's a I I, I think that's important to to note that the the these the seven intelligences just gives you it gives you a map to look at reality. But while it's like it's like trying to drive while you have your nose on the map. It's it's not gonna be helpful. But you, you can make you can stop or you can somebody else can look at the map and 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 you can kind of know your way get Get, get a sense of how to get uh, how to feel your way around. Um, mainly, these maps they not they not only help us understand where we are, but also understand they also help us communicate with each other about where we are. Like I could say, my domain of of exploration tends to be more on the somatic, uh, the the emotional, somatic, and primal ESP, which is I create as created a class called ESP because it was just it was just kind of funny because it's not extrasensorial power although if you learn all three you will feel like you've got a, you you've got some kind of extrasensorial power not because it's beyond senses but you're able to to engage with somebody else and their consent and their sovereignty in a way that's a lot more graceful than somebody who's in their head or who doesn't or is not literate in some ways so the point is if you can develop each of these seven completely at a mastery level, the ideal would be that you'd be able to navigate the world with maximum discernment and maximum understanding of what's going on. So it's not about the 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 seven intelligences doesn't really tell you anything other than where your focus is and how much you're developing in each of these different areas, like these little little star-shaped, you know, maybe there's like seven spokes and you really develop uh, you really emotionally develop, but maybe not so much primally. But intellectually, you're also really good. So there's there could be two or three areas, and that could help you kind of fill in some of the other other areas, so that when you're engaging, you're engaging in a way that perceives one thing or the the person or the the situation. But you're like using seven different radars or seven different different perception tools. Um, that's not just your senses. There's also these 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 intelligences are helping you with sense making. Yeah, and I'm just getting the image of of the electromagnetic spectrum because mm-hmm. you know we break the electromagnetic yeah. spectrum down into you know you know the X rays and gamma rays and 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 infrared and UV infrared. and then visible light and da 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 da. 
those distinctions are arbitrary. Yeah. Actually, there's just <laughs> frequency across the electromagnetic spectrum, but but there, from our human perspective, there are places where that electromagnetic spectrum changes in a way that's that's relevant, that that that's meaningful, and so yeah. you know I can just see that. Compared to our visible light, like say someone who only uses in intellectual intelligence to discern and to make sense of what's going on, it's like they're operating on the visible light spectrum, and there's just like endless frequencies in in both directions <laughs> that they're missing because that's they're not right. tuned into the other the other information that's at hand, and partly because they just haven't developed them. That's right. That's right. And some of it, you know, that connects with attachment theory in the sense, you know, since since we've been talking about it. That connects with attachment theory in the sense that somebody who's more on the avoidant end of the spectrum, because they haven't had as much experience or practice with emotions, because they would they would basically just kind of withdraw and deal with their own emotions, but not in a way that, that would help them connect with others. They're they're very inexperienced and their their emotions their emotions move really slowly. They're very inexperienced with the conversation and communication that relates to emotions and feelings and the needs that lie underneath. And so conversely, they actually have a much better time looking at things from a scaled out um, from a scaled out perspective where they're able to use their intelligence they tend to be able to use the intelligence more easily because they're not as affected by emotions. So there's pros and cons. Somebody who's anxious, on the other hand, will be will 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 feel like emotions are up in their face every moment of every day. And in comparison, somebody who's avoidant might feel like their life feels a little bit like a like a dry dry desert, like like a Burning Man where it just feels really stark and really dry. And when they meet somebody who's anxious, they meet somebody who's got so much, where, where are, the emotions are so vivid, which then awakens that into the avoidant person and makes them feel more alive and makes them feel like, you know, there's things are more interesting, more colorful. It's like going from a black and white movie to a color, to, to a color movie. And, and the two come together and of course sparks fly and for, for a bunch of different reasons that I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but the idea is that there's pros and cons with being focused on any one of these intelligences. You know, if you're strictly focused on the spiritual, then you might, when emotions come, all come along and somebody might buy it, they might bypass that. They might say, oh, it's just emotions. Emotions don't really exist. Yeah, well, tell that to somebody who's pissed off at you, how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, the question that I had, and I love that you bring in attachment theory at this <laughs> point, is yeah, I, I believe that we all have a capacity to develop these different seven intelligences. And <laughs> when I look around the world, I see there aren't a lot of people that have a, a distinct level of mastery of all of them. Um why is that? Why do we get so stunted and why are there areas of life that, that we don't develop in spite of the value in developing them? I mean, I think, I think culturally, there, every culture has, folk, has different focuses on, on these different intelligences. And it could be like, it's not that the culture is focused on these intelligences uh, specifically. It's more that the culture itself and how it teaches people or kids or babies, how to become people, they there's a there's different areas of focus based on history, based on based on culture, based on uh what 
people believe is important. And so people are taught what's important. Like in a capitalistic culture, people are taught how to make money and they're taught how to create a business and they're taught how to uh you know how how to get as much as much uh, as much money as possible well there's specific skills that come along with that and as you learn these skills which often look like a lot of emotion uh, not emotional a lot of uh intellectual skills uh you develop that because you get the you get to practice it you get to practice using your your brain and your and your your intellectual intelligence a lot and so you develop it just by the sheer amount of practice. Um, You could say that if men are more interested in things and women are more interested in people, then that naturally allows women to actually practice being emotionally connected to other people compared to men who are more likely to to engage with to engage with building things and working with things. And I don't know why that is specifically. I could could be said that it's because women uh, get more uh, get more oxytocin from connecting with other people and that's the result potentially. So there's many different reasons why we will develop one thing versus another and it could also be the, our family culture. What's what's in our family culture that has us learn this or that life skill. And if you look at each life skill individually you'll see it you'll see that at least through this lens of the seven intelligences you'll see that the focus is on a few of them but not all of them same 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 thing for sexuality like some people love sex as a as a somatic experience because of the pleasure some people like the transcendence of it some people like the connection that comes along with it some people like the combination of two or three of them but not all of them so that's, you know, for some people, it's like, how many orgasms can I have? That's a fairly intellectual way of looking at it. It could also be very, very primal. Like, I love sex as a primal experience because I feel like I get more deeply in touch with my animal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hearing you talk about like the cultural norms and, and essentially the, the value hierarchies embedded within the culture. And that's that- right. You know the thing you brought up at the beginning of the conversation around our our adaptability, which is like the hallmark of humanity, is how adaptable we are, and yeah. that the adaptability is our way of of navigating a massively diverse potential of environments we might find ourselves in. And so, <laughs> if we don't learn the the familial and cultural norms that allowed the people that brought us into the world to survive, we're in <laughs> big trouble from an evolutionary perspective. Yeah. Now. What does that mean in a modern culture where the environment the environment isn't threatening our survival for the that's most right. part anymore? That's and right. I think that's yep. like that conversation and that question. I don't see a lot of people engaging it, which <laughs> which seems not great to me because that is the question of our time. What does sure. it mean that essentially everything that got us here isn't needed anymore in the way that it was? And what that's- does that mean about the purpose of our existence? And about the rightful way to engage existence from from this new context. Like I think, um, you know, we can definitely bring that back to intimacy and human relationships. But but I wanted to kind of just zoom out for a second because, like, I'm I'm doing a lot of work with people right now <laughs> in a new way. And and one thing that has just organically happened in that is, I am deeply supporting people in digging into the the why of their life. Not the why of their relationship, not the why of their partner and what they're doing together. Like for you, do you have a deep grounded sense of why you're on this planet? 
Uh. Because I think if we don't have a relationship with that kind of why, which is, of course, what we reference when things get difficult, we're uh. going to endlessly run into places where our partner and I are not on the same page. And instead of being on the same the same team to address the difficulties that arise, we feel like we're on our own. And then, yeah. and, and insecurely so, because we don't know why we're here. So yeah, I'm curious, anything you uh. have to say about about helping people tune into a deeper why for their existence, and then how, and maybe we can track that back into intimate relationship. I just want to say this: what we're doing right now. That's that. So if there's a currency for each of the intelligences, there's also a form of sex, and I think intellectual sex is essentially what we're doing right now. We're basically my ideas are rubbing against your ideas, and <laughs> and we're having we're experiencing pleasure. We, exactly, where we give you know we give birth to new ideas, memes. Sleep. I always love making love with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we've been on multiple podcasts together. Just and or even just on a conversation, we started recording it because why? Wow, that's so good. Uh, uh, it's it's worthy of being heard. So, so yeah. So there's a there's there's a form of call that erotic engagement. I, I call, call it sex because, you know, you get the visual of things rubbing against each other. What if romance would be ideas, uh, sorry, emotions rubbing against each other, one version of it, but it could be conflict too. And intellectually, having these conversations is often, it leads to a form of pleasure where we, we're actually engaging in a way that feels good and we want to continue doing it. Um, so I wanted to say that. But the thing you were just talking about, thank God I wrote some notes, uh, is 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 for me the way you describe it sounds like you're helping people find meaning and purpose. And you know, in the old days, and I and I've said this before, it's very similar to what you said, is like it, it wasn't that long that that nature was doing everything it can to try to kill us. It was like maybe a, a couple hundred years ago, not that really, not that long, where people were dying like flies, you know, from 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 malnutrition. I mean, they still there's still some people who are, but the poverty and and the famine and and poverty. Uh, po I said poverty already. Uh, there's there's a lot of ways that science and medicine has has supported a maximum number of people in not just dying randomly for stupid reasons or what's for stu for for reasons that i think we would we would think is stupid from 100 years ago like people dying from 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 hurting themselves and having no and have having no way to to heal themselves or to take care of themselves so then they die of some kind of infection that's a stupid way to die like you, 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 you know, you're you're chopping some wood, and you know, you hurt yourself a little bit, and you wrap it up, and you don't know how to do it, and then you die two weeks later. That's a stupid way to die. And so, we're reaching a point in our technology that we're actually able to essentially get to slowly reverse aging or or stop ourselves from dying stupidly at the very least. And from there, we're realizing that we've actually, we're reaching the realization that we've essentially used up the planet in a really intense, in a really intense way. And we need to kind of, kind of make a, make a turn, a quick turn. And simultaneously, we're going to reach peak population soon, uh, because people are not making babies the way they used to, because at the time, in order to survive, you had to continue making babies because somebody had to survive to keep going. Now, 
without survival being our 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 main to answer your question or to further it without survival being our main reason to to be alive then what what do we do now why why are we here now now that that becomes that that starts to matter because now we have the space and the time and the and and the attention to actually start looking at how to better our condition rather than just stay alive for more than 50 years or 40 or 30, depending on how stupidly somebody could die. So I would say uh, uh, John Verveke has a lot of good things to say about that. If you've ever listened to his uh, Awakening for the Meaning Crisis, a 50, like a 50 video uh, series on, on YouTube, I only got to 15. It's uh, it's it's dense uh, and it's beautiful. And there's like, what does it take to acquire meaning? What does it take to perceive meaning or create it out of nothing? Is it a creative process or is it a discerning process? I mean, from a spiritual st- intelligence standpoint, anything could it could be anything. Your purpose and your in the meaning you make out of li- your life could be anything, but simultaneously. You were uh, um, you were created by your culture. You happened you happened to be white. You happened to 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 pop out be, to pop out between the legs of somebody who had a history within a culture within with, within a family structure, and so it's not random. And so you're not you're not you're you're essentially not living everybody's possible life. You're living your own. And so, so to, to look at that lineage or that, or what's given to you and to simultaneously look at, it could be anything and kind of mix the two together. I think that's the, that's a warty endeavor and it's a, and it's possibly, and it's also a complex and complex one that requires a fair bit of, um, a fair bit of thinking or feeling or all of it. Yeah. Well, I was actually just about to say, if we want to make, multi-dimensional sense of life and we want to use these seven different intelligences that we've talked about what I think can easily happen is we use our intellect to intellectually explore these other domains and I'm sure you've seen this happen where someone someone understands the physical body and they understand the somatic body they understand the primal body but they haven't explored them in those domains. They've just intellectually understood them. That uh-huh. that's not it. That's uh-huh. that's a facsimile of intelligence in the well, intellectual domain. Well, it's like studying the map and understanding the map, or understanding some some books, uh, some technical schematics of a uh, of a helicopter, and then later on thinking, oh, I could dr- I, I I can't fly this helicopter. No matter how much I know the dimensions of the wings and and how the motors work and how many rotations per minute, it's not the same thing. But it's a start. You know more about the helicopter than most people will know, and they will have some usefulness. I, yeah, I mean, I would I would argue that in terms of in the right context, the intelligence can be applied in a helpful way. But what mm-hmm. easily happens, and I know you know this as well, is the intelligence <laughs> becomes an area of strength. We don't want to depart from, yeah. and so then we 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 create a kind of hyperfocus area where I got it handled here. I understand it all, but we won't venture into the dark oh, yeah. night because yep. that freaks the shit out of us. So you know, I think intelligence <laughs> the is, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a double-edged sword. Intelligence on yeah. its own isn't always helpful. And it? and it needs to be held in its rightful place for its rightful purpose. And, it? and like I, what I would love to do is actually bring it back to, uh, you, you mentioned uh, what do we do now that survival isn't the main purpose for for existence. But I think it's, the, what came to me was, what do we do now that survival isn't the main reason for adaptation? Because oh, adaptation yeah. is still possible. That's the amazing thing about the human condition and our ability to abstract and, and to be creative huh. is without pressure to survive, we can still do incredibly creative acts. So what does it mean for us to continue to do things that matter, but that aren't about existential survival? And that's I think right. that's the conundrum yeah. that a lot of people face is like, why okay. bother? Why do the hard thing <laughs> when you don't need to do the hard thing? And yep. when like to bring that to relationship, I think that's where a lot of relationships get stuck or stagnant is like, it's all fine. And to bring it to another level, you would have to do something that you don't need to do. You could just yep. say, thanks, no thanks, and go on to the next relationship. Or you could it. just continue for the next five or 10 years doing it just the way you did it. And everything's going to be fine. You, you have your kids, you've procreated, you've, you've done your existential duty, <laughs> but you're miserable. You're miserable because yeah. you're not being the creative agent that I think we're yep. meant to be in spite of the fact that we don't need to survive anymore. Yeah, there's a what name for that. Yeah, yeah. It's called existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. like uh, when you feel like you've reached the end and and you haven't been continuing to to sort of like you reach the end of the road, but you don't you're not you haven't been adding more bricks as you as you go along, or you reach that point of, huh, I thought the end of the road. I, I I thought when I reached that this this point, whatever this looks like, whether it's a career or it's a, three kids and you know one <laughs> one one partner uh, or 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 maybe five because you're poly, whatever it is, you feel like once you get to that point, you will be able. You will just want to you know go to the beach and sip pina coladas forever. And the thing is, as adaptive and creative beings we depend on continuing to adapt we depend on it we we that's that's why dopamine is such a it's such a drug because we need that reward system we need the the good feelings of all the good drugs that serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin and all the other ones that basically give us a sense that we're alive and we're and we're growing and we're changing and we're going to the next stage and the next step so what you're speaking to is 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 essentially those additional, you know, continuing to add more bricks, so you never run out. Uh, you you never run out of road. You never get to that point of not because you're afraid of reaching it, because that's where spiritual intelligence will help you, knowing that there's always going to be something, something next. If you have the ability to not just try to imagine it into being, but to allow it to manifest. So that's a, that's a version of. Uh, or facing the existential crisis by being in a spiritually intelligent. Uh, yeah, I would just I just got the image of um, you know this being engaging life and then trying to figure it out and making their way and doing their best and getting to the edge where it looks like it just drops off and there's it's a cliff of some kind <laughs> and and they they have options right they can kind of turn back and keep doing what they've been doing or they mm -hmm. can go forward. And, and jump. Th 
the, yeah, jump. And the image that I got is like this, this being is a bird. Like it, it's uh -huh, actually, it's right. meant to fly, sure. but it doesn't know that yet. Like the, that actually sure. at that edge that we all reach, this is sort of like the ego death moment that we yeah. all need to come to a place where we don't know for sure it's going to be okay, but something deep down knows to do so. Like there's, there's these images in the, in the nature uh, films where these birds get born way up high in the tree, in the nest. Uh -huh. And they're there and the parents take care of them for a certain amount of time. And then at a certain point of development, the bird just Boom. jumps. No, they don't get kicked <laughs> right. out. The bird oh, really? jumps. Okay. And they don't they don't know anything. They don't know how to fly yet. Is it? But something in them knows, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And, and That's so that, primal intelligence right yeah, there. Yeah, ex exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so can we tune into a part of us that knows what's next? It's like... So, I have this deep belief life knows what it's doing and uh, life want like wants not in an anthropocentric way but life wants to evolve. I was going to say <laughs> yeah like it's not it's not a human want but but just look what what happens when life has an opportunity to to exist and to continue to exist is that its movement is invariably in the direction of evolution. Yes. And and so and so to me that is a, a signal to us that we are a, a kind of leading edge of that evolution on earth and we we've hit a place where if we're miserable it's a signal to us that we're not connected to the meaning of our lives absolutely like we want to look around and go it's the circumstances it's this terrible partner i have it's this boss that uh -huh. treats me like crap it's i don't have the, the you know the the house that i want or the car that i want none of that makes us miserable but, but but a context for our life that doesn't make sense of what's hard about life makes right. us miserable. Like your mention of, of like oxytocin and dopamine and, and serotonin. Um, if you just get your dopamine hit and, and the motivation that is involved in it isn't connected to something that is meaningful to you, you quickly become a depressed person. Yes. Because because yep. what that what that dopamine hit is meant to do is to call you forward to do something in the interest of what's meaningful. And so if you're doing things like if you sit and just play a video game and you get the dopamine hit. Flow states, that's what flow, that's what do, that's what video games do. They, they put you in flow states that lead you know, that lead nowhere. Yeah. Well, not nowhere, nowhere, but <laughs> nowhere, nowhere that's deeply meaningful because right. it's because it's too easy to jump to the next thing and the next thing. And the same is true for porn and the same is true for, you know, the Tinder, really Netflix and chill sort of, I could, you know, I could have, you know, my, my current partner is not, you know, is not agreeing with me. I can just go find another one in 15 minutes. And that's, and that's problematic because, because some of the reward doesn't come instantly and it cannot be solved by dopamine. It can only be solved by, by slowly building, uh, building yourself to be a better person. For example, um, and you can't get it immediately. It's super comfortable. And uh, but there's but the the but yeah. But so so I I would say there's a I don't know which intelligence it is because I've never thought of it that way. But there's a form of intelligence that knows, and maybe it's called maturity or wisdom, uh, that knows that if you keep working on something that's uncomfortable, eventually you get to the point where it's not uncomfortable anymore, and you reap the rewards. And it's it's there's an intellectual component to that. There's a there's a primal component to that for sure because there's chemicals involved in 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 how good it's going to feel when you get to that point. 
uh, there's a social component of sh you know showing off to other people or 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 being as or there's a competition uh, of uh, there's a there's a friendly competition around like who's going to survive and who's leading and there's also serotonin that comes along with you know if if I'm winning at the competition of of adaptiveness then other people want to are going to want to follow me um, or if I if I help them or if I lead if I help them know better or perceive better or make better sense of reality, then they will be better at it and they will know that it was because of me. So all of that kind of keeps pushing us forward, keeps us wanting to go forward. But yeah, the, I think the greatest difficulty um, of our time is the the availability of flow states, the, 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 uh, the free availability of flow states. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I that mean, makes I, us addicted and not really wanting to work hard for for what we get. Yeah, not as much anymore because yeah. that, there's no there's no big reason we don't have to survive. There's nothing that's about that's about to try to kill you. So yeah, you get free drugs through flow states through a, a variety of different things. Watching to what you know, watching shows or or like things can be done for you, so you don't have to work hard for them. So what's the encouragement to work hard for something? And, you know, maybe purpose is it because it gives you something that's maybe that, that, that you might be able to connect to that's deeper than, than the flow states you can get for free or easily. Maybe. I'm curious. Do you see your seven intelligences as a hierarchy? Like no. are there base intelligences or do you just see them as different categories spread around the, an area? I, 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 yeah, I see them as, as. I mean, they, you know, they definitely work with each other. I mean, it's certainly somatic, emotional, and primal are kind of there. Yeah, there's a, there's a form of hierarchy in the sense that they they connect to some layer of the brains versus others. Um, you know, it's if you look at the very oversimplified sort of reptilian, mammalian, human, more human brain, right? So we're human because we have that extra layer versus other animals. Then you could say that primal intelligence is 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 mammalian, reptilian, and reptilian. You could say that intellectual intelligence is is strictly you know neocortex last layer. Um, you could see that emotional is is intellectual, mammalian. So sorry, uh, is human mammalian, but not pri not not reptilian. Snakes are don't experience emotions. They don't love you. They they feel good next to you, so somatically and primally, they, you know, you're warm, so they want that, but they're they don't love you per se. Um, spiritually, it's definitely a human level type thing, as far as I can tell. Socially, socially, it's definitely human, um, human and mammalian. Uh, not very much, not very much reptilian. You don't see reptilian societies, as far as I know. Uh, so you know, you can look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I'm always looking for just how things fit and, and, and yep. some things fit into hierarchies. Yep. I was listening to Jordan Peterson today, actually, he was talking about the, the kind of the fundamental nature of the Bible. And I, I don't, I don't fully agree with him, but, but what he was speaking to uh, that I thought uh, was interesting was. Everybody does that disclaimer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about well, him. It's so funny. I, no, I mean, yeah, I I love much of what he says, but but what he was speaking to about the Bible was that it's it's the fundamental text, mm. and 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 he was. But what I was interested in what he was saying was that how he defined fundamental. 
Yeah. He's like the thing by which the most other things are dependent. Ah. And I really enjoyed that way because I had never really like yeah. that was a, that's a very explicit way to define what fundamental is, yeah. and 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 that helps us make sense of hierarchy. And I'd like to kind of bring it back to relationship because I know we've, right. we've gone into some pretty interesting kind of social and, and, and philosophical spaces. But I think one of the biggest challenges we face when it comes to interpersonal relationship is how do I rightfully identify the, the levels of value at play Fair. and to honor those levels of value with my choices and my behavior in relationship with others. And I think uh -huh. people who do that well create sustainable, nur nurturing, nourishing relationship for themselves right. and others. And that's yeah. the heart blood of community. Uh, right. Something that I think we've, we've, uh, we've never been closer to each other physically. And we, we could argue we've never been farther from each other emotionally uh -huh. and, and, and socially. And, and so uh, I, I think that idea of like, how do I start to relate to what are the fundamental things that, 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 most other things in my relationship are dependent. And uh, can I take care of those things first and foremost? Totally. And then add the other levels of what, what is subsequently fundamental. So it's like including it all, including, and, and I love the way that you frame the kind of different intelligences. I think it gives people a different approach, a different lens to look through in terms of what's happening in me. Why do I miss the mark? Why do I not understand myself or others? I think uh -huh. it's a great lens. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, how do we make sense of the fundamental because otherwise someone can easily, and then I see this happen all the time, someone makes emotion the the king or queen of their domain, <laughs> or they make the intellect the king or queen of their domain, which is fine as long as they're fundamental, and it is my deep recognition that they are not. If we make uh, emotion and intellect the center of our relationships, we're in big trouble. There's, there's some pieces operating that that's all based on. So I would love ah. kind of some final thoughts as we kind of okay. get close to the end of our time, which is not enough time as usual. Um, yeah. Your thoughts on on what is fundamental to healthy relationship, and you're welcome to kind of reference your your seven domains of intelligence. But um, anything you have to say about how we how we discern levels of value, and then how do we actually implement or or act on those levels of value in a way that makes the biggest difference for our relationships? Mm, that's beautiful. Um, I'm going to relate it to attachment theory uh, as well as the intelli the seven intelligences. Um, <clears throat> I would say one of the most fundamental, and I'll, I'll come at it from, from the side. I would say, at least based on my experience, and of course I'm biased because I'm, re I'm really into attachment theory, uh, even though it's a theory, right? So a theory is like another map, right? It's, it's not reality. It's just one way of looking at reality, and it's got its own fundamental perspective. So to me, to have the intelligence, literacy, and skills, and discernment, and wisdom of engaging well with your nervous system and the nervous system of another person, and keeping them regulated as 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 reliably and sustainably as possible, is probably the most fundamental skill that you can ever learn. From there, you can learn anything you want. And that in and of itself is a combination in my in my book of physical intelligence, which is sort of you need to eat well, you don't want to be hangry, you want to sleep well, you want to drink enough water, you want to eat. All of these things need to be taken care of because when you're not your body, which is essentially the lowest layer of 
of of all the brain layers that we were talking about. That's below the um, that's that that's essentially that's essentially sits underneath all the brain layers. If your body's not re- is not doing well, it's not going to regulate well. And then beyond that, I would say inter. Uh, I would say the next the next layer. Well, they're all interconnect. The next the next level or the connected level would be primal intelligence, um, and then emotional intelligence, and then social intelligence. They would all kind of kind of be bundled up with probably emotional be, being and social being at the very top and emotional being below and it primal being below that and and um, and physical intelligence being being below that and they they're just to to regulate your nervous system into self-care so that your nervous system stays regulated more often than not to be able to plan ahead of time to be able to to f- have foresight around how you're going to get this regulated or if you do what happened how it happened all of that all of that can be done via uh mainly via uh, physical and and primal intelligence um but because we're sophisticated humans i think we can actually start to pull pull to pull out the finer details of exactly what this person said or how did that make us feel or what's important to us and and if this person said something that got in the way of what's important to us and or something happened when we were young that that caused this 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 rupture or this that needs to be hasn't ever been repaired inside of us that's an emotional rupture it's not a primal rupture and it's not a physical one i mean unless un, unless physical trauma was present and that's also good to know and to be able to kind of dig into that and make sense of it Sometimes you yeah you gotta go about it intellectually because you're kind of looking at the inside of you because you don't have a way to go any other way. That's useful. <clears throat> so they're all useful in their own way. But I would say uh, cats never wonder why they feel the way they feel. They just they just feel and they act immediately. And and of course any animal. When pushed enough, will start will start to behave in strange ways. If they don't eat enough, they don't you don't let them sleep. If you freak them out, I mean, their nervous system will start to wiggle to wig out, and and they will start doing badly in terms of behavior. And I think the same is true for humans. So I would say, you know, starting with knowing how to take good care of your body and take good care of your inner animal, and then working from there to more deeply understanding your own emotions and the needs that the signals of the of the needs that lie underneath when in the same way that physically if your if your body feels weird because you're sitting in a strange in a strange position or sleeping in a strange position you'll feel pain while emotions are signals similar signals that reveal some kind of need or some kind or something that's happening underneath the surface and so to develop that deeper understanding that doesn't need to be an intellectual understanding and just needs to be it just needs to be a knowing what is what, what is happening and what what is the need and to be able to fulfill that need will support a more regulated nervous system and from there we can apprehend reality with much more attention and much more calm and much more perspective that we can't have when we're in a trauma state. So that's really the bottom line is when you're in a trauma state, your perception of reality is all about survival, which is, thank God we still have that. 
because that's an instinct, right? Our, our trauma states are instinctual. We're not controlling them. We're not deciding them. We're not, we're not in charge. And thank God, because at some level, they help us survive. If there was an earthquake in five minutes, I would go, we, everybody would go in a trauma state and we would all do our best to survive. We would do better than if we were using our brains right from the get-go. But eventually, um, but that's just for short term. Uh, long term, we can't stay in that. Otherwise, otherwise, illnesses start to pop up. And you see that in people who have high ACE score, uh, adverse childhood experience, where they've been in trauma states so often that their body is actually becoming ill. Uh, there's more illnesses for people with a higher ACE score. So, yeah. Yeah, and even going back into trauma, going back into trauma, into the what caused the trauma states, has it is its own journey for people who've had a lot, uh, who've had to deal with a lot when they were children. And uh, that's usually the direction uh, to go, is to go back into, to do somatic therapy, to do the kind of therapy that will reconnect with these trauma states and allow them to to complete or to to wrap up their their um their integration which didn't get a chance to happen way back when mm. awesome yeah beautiful well you know we're we're reaching our time um uh-huh. i always love it it always feels like too little yeah. If people have enjoyed the conversation and they want more uh, of you or from you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at exquisitedark.love. Uh, so exquisite, that's, that's a pretty exquisite word, exquisitedark.love. And you can find me there. A uh, lot of different podcasts, including some with you. Uh, there's a whole section on attachment theory. There's a blog section where they can see my incisive words digging deep into untruth. Um, or making sense of reality in ways that maybe they didn't expect. Um, and then beyond that, uh, at the summit uh, that's coming up, that you're, you're organizing with Relation Flicks, um, I'll be teaching about uh, a class called the Art, of, the Art of Sensation Play, which is about developing somatic intelligence and, and a little bit of primal intelligence to support people in really in reading their partner, having their partner read them, and knowing how to touch and how to move um, to create pleasure in each other's bodies. Beautiful. Great. Philippe, thank you for being here. Uh, for those that tuned in, thank you for being here. We have lots more to come. Until mm-hmm. then, be well. Thanks, everybody. It's a pleasure. That's it. All right. That was fun, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Uh yes, so, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. I'm gonna set. I'm gonna end this sentence because <laughs> I I'm not sure exactly where I'm gonna land. It's it's really fascinating. I, I go on a journey. You ask a question, and I go on a journey, and and then something comes out. And it's a. Uh, I mean, I I definitely had a few flow 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 state moments during this conversation, which is why it's so it's so entertaining and and pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah, I always love it. I feel like I can, I can ask anything and kind of push you and take you anywhere, and and I know that something something delicious will come back. So mm-hmm. thank you for being being that way in the conversation. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I um, just such a pleasure to have you with us in the ways that you're with us. So thank you for that. I am so happy to be uh, to be allowed to contribute to your project in every possible way. And so yeah, I'm looking forward to more.
Thank you so much for being here. You've been listening to the Better Relationship Podcast brought to you by RelationFlix. Please subscribe to the podcast and you can go and check us out at relationflix.com. We look forward to sharing so much more with you. And until next time, my friends, love well.